box 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 Welcome to episode 10. We're going to be reviewing the Belgium Grand Prix, whatever little there is to review, as well as well as previewing the Zandvoort Grand Prix, the first time we've raced in the Netherlands since 1985. I'm very excited for it. We'll touch on that race in a later portion of the of the uh, podcast, but I definitely wanted to touch on whatever little there was of Belgium to touch on. So let's definitely start with qualifying. We had some outstanding performances. We had some shunts. We potentially should have had a red flag a bit earlier on. Who who was your star of qualifying? I mean, uh, besides the obvious, besides our, our, our best friend, George Russell here, uh, I think Danny Ricardo actually was doing pretty well, even though he was about a second slower than um, Lando at any given point. I think he was getting a lot more of the car. He seemed a little bit more confident. Maybe he's uh, he is more of a wet, a wet weather driver. So I was excited to see that. Um, and also Seb, seeing Seb up there, I mean, his, his, uh, his old knowledge came into play um, and he performed super well and he was up there in fifth place for, for quality. Um, so love to see him out in uh, Q3 and uh, yeah, what about you? Well, I think there was a lot of uh, variables during qualifying this time, the timing of getting the, the people out. I think Williams kept a fresh set of interns for the second run in Q3, which Man, George Russell just absolutely flew on those brand new winters. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if their warm up, hot lap, warm down structure just worked perfectly for them. So, yeah, again, apart from the obvious George Russell, uh, for me, it was Lando Norris, who I really thought was on for pole, mm. all qualifying. Uh, and, and I was very excited because he's been a star in qualifying so far this season for me. We talked about his Austrian performance where he locked out the uh, second row next to Max and kept Lewis behind him. So for me, he was really vying for that pole position with Max. They were going to duel it out right into the end of Q3. Mm-hmm. But of course, we know conditions were very, very poor. Seb called out on the radio. Unfortunately, the FIA didn't react uh, soon enough. Michael Massey kind of rolled the dice, and Lando Norris was the only one in the hot lap at the time mm-hmm. and crashed out at Eau Rouge. Uh, I guess where else? Honestly, Eau Rouge aquaplaning very dangerous really should have red flagged it earlier but he was an absolute stud until that point absolutely if you take a look at the uh just his uh he was full out all the way out through a rouge um, flat out uh one thing that i did notice though is so george was also right in front of him on uh, on that lap where lando crashed um and the straight after a rouge uh the Kimmel uh, straight the Kimmel straight uh he was doing what about like 180 190 um, he was halfway down the street and then he started hydroplating and the car started going left and right, left and right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that was also bizarre to see just even on a straight that the cars couldn't even, you know, keep traction. Um, so, you know, was it something that should have been red flagged earlier? Certainly. Um, do I respect Lando tremendously for still going as hard as he can, just uh, trying to get the most out of the car and the track, even when it's, there's literally a waterfall on Eau Rouge? Absolutely. Well, I think in a driver's perspective, until they see the red flag come out, they are going flat out no matter what. Exactly. They, they have no fear. They, I think once they put the helmet on, they fully accept whatever odds it is on that day that they may pass away. But once yeah. they're they will not give anything less than 100%. Lando Norris knows that it's not ideal circumstances, but he is going to absolutely send it, which is what he did. You know, you see mm-hmm. the age old Vettel behind him, who's probably going flat out on his hot lap, which he just started mm-hmm. until the red flag. Uh, call it out on radio it's where it's, it's another another reason just to gain respect for him for me we've seen him struggle in a couple of years with a slow ferrari 
and haven't seen that true character in him and his, his full knowledge come through. But this season, he's just, uh, he's a true gentleman and, and an absolute scholar in this sport. So he called it from the cockpit. It's a tough, and, but I also think that played into the stewards' decision on Sunday about not starting the race and restarting Absolutely. it to get two, two laps in. So it's, it's, it's a tough one. I, I do feel for the stewards in these variable conditions. It's, it's super difficult, right? Especially after the first race, uh, after the summer break, you're, there's all this excitement, the crowds are filled, everyone's super excited for, the, for F1 to start up again. Um, so I, I say kudos to them for making the decision on Sunday, as much as, it, as much as it was painful for us to sit there for a couple hours on the couch, not seeing anything. Um, but hey, and also to speak on Vettel, he's like, you know, I had mentioned earlier in the season that he's come to a new team, a team that's hungry, that's been evolving for many years. Um, and so, you know, that's one of the things that we're starting to see. And I'm excited to see it pan out more and more throughout the second half of the season where uh, his expertise, his knowledge in on the track is being understood and well-received by his team. Um, and I, I'm just seeing only great things, only, only upward trajectory for, for Aston Martin. So, so looking forward to it. And speaking about Sebastian, I did want to touch on his former team, Ferrari, who all throughout summer break, we were hearing, wow, we've made massive inroads <laughs> on this engine. The aerodynamics are massively improved. We're going to be mega quick after the, the summer break. Uh, and what was it, Charles? I mean, Charles, forget, Nikki, forget, Lando, forget Lando's penalty. Forget Valtteri, not penalty. Yeah, Gearbox penalty. Forget Valtteri's penalty. In, in, phys- in actual qualifying, Charles, what, P11 and Carlos P13? Mm-hmm. With a Williams in between. It's where those improvements... What can mm-hmm. SWS tell me about those improvements? SWS can say that fake news is back on the rise. That's all okay. SWS can say. Okay. I think Bring it's... me back four years ago, huh? <laughs> exactly. Uh, but it's, it's, it's honestly super painful to see because we read a lot of very promising reports. I was super excited. I mean, as a Ferrari fanboy, that's the only thing you want to hear, even if it's complete and utter, uh, you know, just like hearsay. I have believed that for the last couple of weeks and have been hedging all my bets on that. So it was super tough to see... Uh, see the performance maybe it was the rain maybe we'll see something different this weekend at Zandvoort but um pretty disappointing from the Ferrari boys it was it was I expected much more after all the reading I'd done in the in the mid-season break so we'll see I, I mean according to weather reports we're seeing a little bit of rain in the Netherlands so I'm not sure mm-hmm. the Ferrari can't cope with these kind of conditions or you know Carlos and and Charles Carlos is a Sunday driver Charles is just a one of the stars of mm-hmm. F1, just need to see a bit more out of them. Absolutely, I agree. Need to, need to see them in Q3, at the very least. Um, and I think that this weekend will be a good chance for it. Uh, you know, another thing to keep in mind is is with this weekend, we're we're getting rain only on Sunday, and so we've know we know how that's been how that's worked in the past, right? Dry practice, dry qualifying, and then come Sunday, a little bit of rain at the start, and, and all all bets are off. So. Um, we could be in for an interesting one at, uh, in the Netherlands. Agreed. Agreed. Now, qualifying was electric. It had me at the tip of my seat. This, the race on Sunday, full respect to the stewards' decision to, to can, not cancel it, but red flag it initially, and just see how conditions were, and conditions continue to get worse. What did you make of the decision two hours in to run two laps behind the safety car just to award points. I 
do not agree with that theory. I agree with, this is what I thought would have been a more ideal situation. Um, you make a decision based on the rain, based on the track conditions, um, uh, if you should race or not. I think giving the drivers two laps to go around in formation and then say, hey, okay, like we've completed technically two laps of the circuit, now you get half points. Um, that's uh, it's kind of blasphemy. I think if even if they didn't uh, run any of the two laps, their qualifying performances from the day before in the rain, the bravery that that took, I think is by itself awarding of points. Uh, I just think the way that they handled that Sunday and, and basically did two formation laps um, to, to, to no avail uh, was kind of a cop-out. Well, they teased the fans as well, right? Mm-hmm. They got real excited to see the cars back out. The conditions were not getting better. I don't think anyone really thought they were going racing, but it was just tough on the fans. And, and a lot of experienced drivers came out. You know, Seb, Fernando were especially vocal. Then Carlos Sainz as well and Pierre Gasly. They were all like, I'm not sure why we're getting points. In, in my opinion, if you don't have the opportunity to overtake, no race has, been, has occurred. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, similarly, I've seen a lot of reports come out from the Sky Lads, you know, Karun Chanpok saying that if you don't complete at least 25% of the laps, it should not count as a race. In my opinion, as long as there's green flag conditions and there's an opportunity to overtake, it can count as a race, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for a, a minimum number of laps, like two. But like, like you said, you know, I think blasphemous is the perfect word to describe what occurred on Sunday. And, yeah. But it's also, it's also tough because you see Max, who's had a, couple unlucky races you know so he'll he probably welcome the points likewise george got inherited a podium which he you know not going to complain about it right like he's not going to yeah he's not going to not take it he's he's suffered a lot in that williams and if it's more points and and a podium don't get me wrong all these drivers mindsets will be i wanted to race and earn those points or earn that podium absolutely i mean george the one driver out of the 10 who's going to take that yes (laughs) Him, him and Latifi and P9. <laughs> um, but also, you know, it was, um, I just think also one of the things that they could have done a little bit better that would have at least made more sense to me was that based on the qualifying performance, that's where racers are giving it their all, right? Yes, you're not taking into account race pace and a lot of the factors that go into building, you know, the 25, 18, 15, whatever the point structure is. Um, but just for the qualifying itself, I think that was deserved of at the, the half points. Um, so uh, to see it tarnished by those two formation laps and say the formation laps were the reason that they earned these points, I think was just a, a colossal, uh, just miscommunication by the FIA. And I'm pretty sure that they've understood that I've been seeing a lot of, uh, um, a lot of literature and a lot of things that they've published saying that, Hey, you know, we are going to take a good look at what happened this weekend, make sure it doesn't happen again. So they've learned their lesson to say the very least. Agreed. Agreed. I think, I think there's a it's a thin line to reward qualifying just because it was in the rain. I know it does make it more difficult. It's, it's tough to draw that line. It's very subjective between what is a more difficult qualifying versus what's a normal qualifying, you know, every driver, no matter what is putting 110% into that lap. Mm -hmm. And for someone to come out and arbitrarily say, Oh, well, you know, we couldn't race on Sunday, but that was a tough qualifying session. So you get half points. It's something that the FIA I read Martin Brundle, I think, does a piece for the Telegraph or the Guardian uh, every Monday. And I saw this excerpt uh, posted on Twitter 
that was that the FIA have kind of shot themselves in the foot by convoluting all their rules to make it, you know, three points and everything is subjective. They need to reset, take a step back, reanalyze and simplify. Mm -hmm. And I think there's an example where if you said, Hey, if Saturday are tough uh, qualifying conditions, then they get half points. It's kind of like that by shooting themselves in the foot again, by just sure. making it more difficult on themselves. And more I think they just need to make it simple. 25% of the laps have to occur on a Saturday and they can't all be behind a safety car. Mm -hmm. Then you get half points. And in the future, I'm, I'm a strong believer in that pole position should get one point, but that's the only change I would make to qualifying. I think, I think pole position should get rewarded uh, for the championship. You know, you get a point for fastest lap in the race in the new qualifying structure that they did at Silverstone mm -hmm. uh, for a second, third the podium of qualifying get one, two, three points. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, uh, that's one change I would like to see in the future personally, but that's just, that's neither here or there. That's just my I mean, thoughts. It's just, to, just to add on that, especially when we start to see a potentially more competitive create in 2022 with the new uh, designs, with the new updates, um, that, that'll be something that's a little bit more competitive. And I think that'll start spicing it up a little bit. And people, people like George, or people uh, who, are, who are getting up there, Lando, for instance, will, will, uh, will, be deserving of some of the points on Saturday. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. But only pole position, <clears throat> nothing else for me. Um, was there anything else you wanted to touch on those two laps? Uh, driver of the day for me, Burt Waylander, or whatever his <laughs> name is, did a wonderful <laughs> job in the safety car. Drifting it around the corners. Oh, yeah. He's killing it. He got yeah. the most laps that day. Definitely. Um, you know, uh, my performance of the of the weekend, I think, was Red Bull's pit crew again putting together Sergio's car uh, after he crashed it, so so he could be considered as had run the race. I thought that was that was bizarre. They probably just drink a ton of Red Bull in there and they're so amped, <laughs> so caffeinated that they just get it done. Absolutely, but we know that's where Red Bull kind of win. That's they haven't been the fastest car for the since Seb won in twenty thirteen. Mm -hmm. So they, they find opportunities like that to win pit stops, yeah. rebuilding the car, and they, they, they achieve those goals very successfully. So, um, and it shows some grit for the team. You know, like they are wherever they can improve, they're taking every little margin. If they can get a 1.88 second pit stop over a 1.9 second pit stop, they're going for it. They're practicing as much as they can. And that's, that's the hunger that that team has had. I'm just glad this, year, this season we're starting to see that translated to their car, their, their performances. Definitely. And it's, and it's interesting to see them still go after that, those, those times, because you look at Mercedes mindset and they take the approach, no matter what, we will not mess up. Mm -hmm. We may have a 2.4 second standard pit stop, half a second, 0.4 seconds greater than what's the quickest pit stop of the race. But no matter what, they are not going to make a mistake. And of course we've seen them make some mistakes, sure. um, but knowing that they have that fastest car, it's interesting how Red Bull didn't fall into to that same same strategy, but they know what they're capable of. So yeah, they're they were, they a had, bit, right? Yeah, that's they what the underdogs the car, And they can win in the pit stops. Then why not? Mm -hmm. You got the smaller hand. You got to gamble a little bit. You got to share your hand a little bit. So definitely. And we know we all know Christian Gamble. I mean Christian uh, Horner <laughs> loves a good gamble. Absolutely, Christian versus Toto. I'd watch that if that was a poker match. Oh, that would be incredible. Wow. I was actually, I sent it to you guys, but uh, you should definitely listen to the podcast, Nico Rosberg's podcast with Toto Wolf. 
wow, it's not okay. it's not about formula one obviously they, it, it comes up right it's this inevitable. is about him as like a businessman right exactly he is a fascinating fascinating entrepreneur i like that now i'll have to take a listen definitely on to zanvort a circuit we haven't seen a circuit which is at an angle for turn seven and, and ten at 19 degree angles tire stress through the roof potential <laughs> rain the driver is not sunday. having raced last sunday after the <laughs> summer break are we gonna see like four finishers <laughs> it, it's got all the ingredients for enough for a spicy first race of uh, second half of the season it does it truly does and max has closed up the gap uh via the the blasphemy from sunday mm-hmm. to this three will be points a, another home race another on top of belgium yep. top of austria <laughs> um no but it'll be interesting so when they when they resurface the track or i guess they made a couple changes to the track in 2020 uh there's a video of just max taking taking a lap around um it's it's crazy between turn 14 and turn one is pretty much the only time you'll have a sustained period of time where the steering wheel is straight outside of that they're always going from one it's one sweeping corner into the next like corner three four five six uh, into the seven which you were just talking about that's that's just a series of s's it's like maggots and beckett's almost except in in the netherlands and then you know <laughs> it, it's gonna be a pretty it's gonna be a pretty as you had mentioned tire consuming track it could be like one of the first dry three stoppers yeah. we'll ever see. <laughs> uh, if it's dry, we'll see. I wonder how long the circuit is. So what do you think? It's uh, 4.2 kilometers. Mm. Huh. So 4.3. It doesn't say how many laps the races record lap time so lap record is not even in an f1 car it's not what's a minute 21 so i'm assuming this is like a minute uh teen slash maybe even like less than a minute 10 um which means that this is probably going to be like a 65 70 lapper because like some of the shortest uh, circuits we see if you look are, at the grand prix circuit 1980 to 1989 alan uh-huh. prost did a 116 okay oh wow so this is going to be a short circuit this it's, is it's on the shorter be- end Wow, they're going to be ten seconds longer than Austria, and it's wow twenty seconds shorter than Silverstone. So we should probably expect a lot of laps then. In that sense, in that case, a lot of uh, those nineteen degree turns, which will which will definitely be an interesting factor. Especially yeah, there with have to rain. be there has to be fifty gear changes per lap here. <laughs> Just something incredible. So, what are It'll your be- predictions? Uh, let's see. I Let's throw I some like, wild hot takes here. The, for ju- just for uh, the itch that I've had for the past, you know, couple months, I just need to see Lando perform well. He's been building up well, especially seeing him during qualifying. Just seeing him put everything into that car, blow every single person's mind. Um, I'm looking for at least a podium out of Lando for for this circuit. Love it. Um, what's what's next? You know, we got a little bit of rain. We got. Uh, um, and I was looking at some of the statistics from George's laps at Spa. Um, he was actually gaining. He was actually gaining on Lewis a lot uh, in terms of lap times on the corners. And seeing that this lap is purely, this circuit is purely made of corners, uh, I can see a top ten finish, maybe even a top six finish for for George this uh, this weekend. Um, and then something spicy, Valtteri Bottas to finish outside the top ten. I think the man's lost it. 
Well, if it's raining, we know he's not good in poor mm-hmm. conditions. I, I was a bit upset we couldn't see the Williams in rain in George starting from P2 because we know that they've built a Saturday car. On Sunday, it tends to lose places. Mm-hmm. George Russell doesn't seem to be the greatest off the line from what I've seen sure. from his historical record at Grand Prix. So it would have been great to just get that knowledge of how he performs starting at the front in the rain. But I, I love all those predictions. I, I, I miss the days when, you know, one of the stats of the season was that Lando Norris is the only driver to score in every Grand Prix so oh, far. So brutal. Heartbreaking. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to go. It's a dry Saturday. I'm going to say Yuki Sonoda top oh. six on top six on Sunday because because Fuji it, it often rains in Fuji uh-huh. so I imagine Yuki has a decent amount of experience in the rain if it's raining on Sunday so I'm going to go he's with the top six for Yuki Tokyo he's been, drifting. He's been right. quite poor quite frankly <laughs> but I, I believe in him this uh, upcoming race All right. I'm going to say a DNF for Giovinazzi. Okay, okay. I was gonna say make it pretty spicy. That's that's at the edge of spicy. That's I, I was gonna go to Valtteri for a little while, but Whoa. I do think he'll finish. <laughs> uh, I also still believe he has a seat in the Merc next year. Oh yes, okay. We're still waiting to hear that news. That should be coming soon. Also, we it, like, should, it has to be coming soon. That much news over the summer break regarding where people are going to be going, and we should have Nothing. heard a lot more. None. So and I guess that's something to look forward to. But yeah, I mean, I, this is this is not a hot take by any means. But I'm just at his home Grand Prix. I'm going for a max win. Sure. It's fair. It, it just ticks all the boxes for me. He's going to have the orange army behind him. Might even toss in a turbo driver for uh, or a mega driver this weekend. Oh, you still have your mega driver? Yeah, we get two per season, right? Oh, I didn't know that. I think so. Maybe not. I need to look at my team. I'm glad I have George Russell because he would have. Oh, gotten... his his stocks have been has been rising. Man. I'm sure of oh. it. Um, any interesting uh, bets that we're looking for? I guess we'll we'll discuss on Friday after practice. But, so I didn't uh, see the safety car. Uh, no safety car. No, I didn't see the safety car prop last huh. week. Huh. Well, but... I mean, I guess, maybe Vegas really thought that, hey, dude, it's raining in Spa. There's no way. Like, we're not even going to offer this. It, yeah, it makes sense. The, the, the odds would have had to be, like, last bet round, 100 yeah. to win one. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll discuss on Friday. I mm-hmm. it's it's hard on a Tuesday to discuss. You know, we have to we at least have to see the, the cars in FP one, FP two. Sure. Should we cover the the bets that we made for for Spa at least, even though none of them hit? It's you know absolutely gotta know. Yeah, through through two dollars on on Stroll top six uh, for the race, he qualified P fifteen, and of course there was no race. <laughs> So he he finished P fifteen, nowhere close. <laughs> For any of the, any of you guys dying to know how we spent the money yesterday last week, and we threw two dollars on Charles Pull, <laughs> which in the very in the in the rain was looking a possibility, and then he goes out in Q two. So yeah, not not a great 
bet week? Yeah, there was there was a lot on the table, honestly. With the hype, we were betting on the Ferrari hype more than we were betting on uh, the Ambria pool. Yeah, we had heard from the midsummer reports that there was a big, uh, big shift in that engine, but shift evidently tides, not. Yeah, evidently not. Well, Shion, no Karun this week, but I'm glad it's a triple header because you know we've had the summer break and. At least we have Zanvoort and then Monza, which is a banger. So, mm-hmm. got a lot to look forward to. A lot of money to make. Absolutely. To all our listeners, thank this you so box, much. Box. Signing out.